0: I, I want to share with you this morning, it's kind of the culmination that what God's been doing in my life over the last six months. Do you ever sometimes feel, God, you're going to have to help me, you know, you ever feel that sometimes God's on your case, and that sometimes that wherever you go, it's like you're saying the same thing, God, and you try to escape and get into another setting, and the same thing said. But everything you see and hear is is kind of saying the same thing. And, of course, I I don't get it first time, and I'm sure you do, but I don't. And God speaketh once, yea, twice, and that's because I'm a little dull of hearing. And I think, oh, yeah, I get it. And all heaven goes, oh, great, we can move on now. But it's kind of, uh, uh, it's kind of. This is what God's been saying to me in recent weeks and in recent months. And I'm hoping it resonates with you because I want to talk about God's inside out church. God's inside out church. Now, because church is not a place, it's people. I guess I'm talking about inside out people. God's inside out people who formulate an inside out community. Why? Because they're following a Christ who is an inside out Christ. Now, I want to turn to the book of Acts and the third chapter. And we're going to read the first 10 verses of um, Acts chapter 3. But while you're finding that, and I'm not trying to be silly or simple here, but Acts chapter 3 comes after Acts chapter 2. That's about as deep as my theology goes this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Acts chapter 3 comes after Acts chapter 2. Now, I don't think that's accidental, I think it's intentional. I think the Spirit of God was intentionally bringing the story of Acts chapter 3 that comes after Acts chapter 2. Because Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 is all about the preparation for and the participation in the person and power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's them being filled up with the Spirit. It's these followers of Christ who are being equipped as they wait, it's like when it says in the opening of Acts chapter one, it starts something like, "O Theophilus, uh, all that you heard formerly uh, is kind of this is paraphrase. Uh, fasten your seatbelts. That's nothing to what I'm about to share with you, Theophilus." And Luke then begins to relay the works of the Spirit through the church and what God has and is doing. And it's as if when you get into Acts chapter 3, all that's happened on the inside, because Jesus shared for 40 days of things pertaining to the kingdom with the disciples. Wouldn't that be a great series to get hold of? I'd love to listen to the watch that that DVD of Jesus sharing for 40 days of things pertaining to the kingdom. And you could almost see Peter raring to go when he comes to the conclusion. He's almost out the door. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Just whoa, whoa, whoa. Grab Peter. I want you to wait inside until you've been filled with the person and power and presence of the Spirit. I want to release you into society. I want you, says Luke, to be clothed. And the word clothed there, this is a history lesson. Before emails, we used to have letters. This is an envelope, this is a letter. Okay, snail mail. You still do. Well, that's wonderful. But you would not think in my day of posting this on its own. You would take the letter and you would envelope it in order for it to be protected. To have the... If I can get this thing in, that's why we do emails, because we can't get letters into envelopes. It goes into the envelope... It's sealed, has a mark of authority upon it. Hallelujah. Has a mark of authority and sent. Paul says to the Corinthians, you are letters read and known of all men. Letters read and known of all men. But you're vulnerable without being clothed in the spirit. Without being encapsulated in the spirit. So Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem. Until you be endued, empowered, clothed in the Spirit. Because I'm sending you out. Because what happens on the inside, because of its very nature, will have to flow out to the outside. You know, what God puts within us is not just to, reserve, to be stored within us. It's out of your innermost being rivers of living water shall flow. This he spake concerning the spirit. That's what he says in the Gospels. So what's within us, out of your the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so by its very nature, what was on the inside is going to flow on the outside. So let's go to Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to read the first 10 verses from an ESV translation. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m. in the afternoon. A man of, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called the beautiful gate. To ask alms of those who enter, were those entering into the temple, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, "Look at us, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, "I have no silver' our our, no silver and gold but what i do have i give to you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones were made strong and leaping up he stood and began to walk and entering the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. He's charismatic before it's almost yeah. known he's he's walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. What God puts on the inside is ultimately by its very nature going to flow to the outside. I read an article recently and it was called um, Marketplace Ministry. And I've not checked these, uh, uh, these stats out, but this article reckoned that 92% of Jesus' public appearance Appearances were outside. 92% of his public appearances were outside. 87% of his parables related to the workplace. Now here's the thing. This article reckons that 39 of the 40 divine encounters mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles are encounters that took place outside the corporate gathering. 39 of the 40 divine encounters happened outside. I appreciate and value the corporate gathering of God's people. They shared on Friday, you know, there's new wine in the cluster. And I think as we cluster together, the wine of the Spirit is fermented. It's, it's brought to its fruition. But this, to me, is the sharpening shed. I'm a carpenter by trade, and though it is sometimes annoying, sometimes you have to stop what you're doing in order to sharpen the tools that you're using. You're using a saw, repeatedly using it. You have to stop and sharpen it. And this is the way I see Sunday, if we gather on Sunday gatherings. It's me coming in from the workplace, say, put an edge on this. I'm going back out again. Here, put an edge on my life. I feel a bit blunt. I've hit some things this week, but I want to be infilled with the Spirit so I can go back out into society. This is the sharpening shed. Yeah. No, I won't go there. Oh, now, <laughs> oh, I, I grew up. and Sunday morning, we would drive to church, the church building. And sometimes you go through a city, it's like spot the Christian. (laughs) They're generally the ones in my youth were the ones that were dressed in a drab manner. And they look more drab and dreary. And the bigger the Bible, the more religious they look. If it was a big black Bible, boy, they are very religious. Thing was, they looked as miserable going in as they did coming out. You know, and the joy of the whole earth. What's that to do with? I don't think that's the way God wants it. I think when we come in, we may come in feeling weary. That's okay. Feeling open and honest and saying, this has been a, a lousy week. Anyone else have any? Do you ever have a tough week? Yeah. You think, "Ah, oh, I made it. But coming in here, I think it's the presence of the spirit that said, oh, God, sharpen me afresh. Put a fresh edge on my life. The blunt effects of this week, I want to change. In the late 80s, um, a lady called Faith Popcorn. <laughs> what a name. That's a great name, isn't it? Faith Popcorn. She used to put a thing out called the Popcorn Report. <laughs> that grabbed your attention. She was... Um, She was a kind of a a person who looked at trends and forecasts, and she was a market consultant. And she came up with this phrase, cocooning, cocooning. And it was trying to understand where people are scared to go outside, they stay inside. And this is an American setting. So it's a fearful world out there. So let's stay inside. And so you would drive to work. You would lift your electronic car, uh, your garage door. You would drive out. You would gen- generally drive into a secure car park, make it up into your office, come back down to your office, get into your car, drive home. Electric g- doors go up. You go in. You don't see anyone because it's a scary world. And let's stay inside. I grew up surrounded by Christian cocoonists who had a wrong emphasis on scriptures like, um, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Don't let this world, I became a cocoonist parent who caused my children to recite J.B. Phillips' translation of Romans 12:2. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. But let God remold your mind from within so that you may prove what is that perfect and acceptable will. That's a scary world out there. Watch it. You're in the world, but not of the world. And so we came up with a theology of escape hatch mentality where the second coming of Jesus was so long for, it was Custer's last stand. We're hanging on. We even had hymns to suit it. Hold the foot for I am coming. You know, that's... It was kind of, we're just hanging on, but I can hear the trumpet. Custis, the the cavalry are coming. Jesus is coming. He's going to get us out of here. And so I grew up with a kind of, beam me up, get me out of here, Scotty. That was the theology. This world is a nasty place. And so let's holy huddle. Group hug. Got to go out to the world tomorrow. Don't let the world get you. And so you read a story like this. And when I read Acts chapter 3, it's created for me personally a mission mantra of which there are three things that I, I'm trying to live my daily life by. And these are the three things. See the man... Know your measure and seize the moment. Three things. And each day as I go out, I'm saying, Lord, now you have to understand. or you may do. I am a cave man, yeah. <laughs> or a shed man. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of amens from over there, and I, you know, resist it. <laughs> I am by nature more comfortable in my own environment. You know, me and me agree every time. You know, I just think, you know, that's great, Chris. I agree with that. That's wonderful. You know, there's no one else to disagree with you. So I love my own space. I just love that. And so for me, I am by nature more of an inside person. But what God has been saying, Chris, this that you have has to go outside. The church is here to change society. It's here to make a difference. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There is an illegal squatter that we have the legal right to kick out. We have the authority and the power. And so these are the things that I go through. See the man. Let me just quickly go through these. It says here, Peter, and Peter directed his gaze. He comes up to this this man who's, Either beginning, or he's being carried to the gate. Uh, beautiful. He's either beginning there to to beg, uh, and Peter directed his gaze at, as did John. It was almost like, you know, his kind of look. He gazes at this. He locks into this this individual, and it's like all the the hubbub that's going on around him. He has this anointed moment where he sees this man. He sees this man. I think this man, naturally speaking, was an obstacle. That at this God-given moment became an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, like, some of the obstacles we face, whether really they're opportunities. Yeah. This is like being surrounded, and please, I'm not decrying those that sell big issue. But it's like when you're walking through a busy town center and you've got these people say, selling big issue, don't look. Step aside, you know, it's kind of, that will be an obstacle or or someone who wants your attention. But here, under the anointing of the Spirit, I believe they see that this man is not an obstacle, he's an opportunity. And this is what I feel God's saying to me is, some of the things you see as obstacles, or I see as obstacles, could be God's opportunity. Some of the people that we meet on a weekly basis that, let's face it, are annoying. You may work with some people like that. You may have them in your neighborhood. You may have them, I don't know. They may be even related. I don't know. But sometimes those obstacles could be the opportunity to outlive the kingdom. Outlive the kingdom. To demonstrate the kingdom of God. So here they are anointed. And it's what Simon How- Holly shared with us, the man of peace in Luke. And when I go out to my day, I'm saying, God, show me the man of peace. Where is he? Is he in this Costa place? Is he is he, here? Is he someone I'm going to meet in in this environment? Where is this person? And when I talk about the man of peace, it's someone who is receptive to you, Someone who has a good reputation, Cornelius. If you look at Cornelius in the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 10, he was one of these men of peace. Someone who has a good reputation, someone who opens doors. On Friday morning, we had a hub meeting here. And I got to listen to some of the the leaders talk about people who had gone out from even this city into other cities in the world, some very desperate places. And I was kind of getting envious. I was, it's not right to get jealous, but I was kind of getting a little bit of spiritual envy. They were telling me about people in cities who were meeting with other people who hadn't, in fact, they were of a total different faith to Christianity, but they were open to them share, but they weren't only open to them. They said, come and talk to our family. And families were opening up. Whole communities were opening up because I believe they were looking for the man of peace. See your man. See your man. Let's go on to the second one. Know your measure. Know your measure. Verse 5. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have. What I do have, I give to you. This to me is the tipping point of this miracle. Holy Spirit, help us to understand right now what we've got. Please, please, Holy Spirit, move us away from quantity into quality. So often the enemy says, who are you? What do you have? I have to keep reminding myself I am an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven on earth. I am a servant of the living God. Don't mess with me. I'm a representative of heaven on earth. I have a legal right to be here. And therefore, I have been called of God to make a difference. And he said, what we have. I, I took a, a quote. Um, Steve Furtick um, gave this quote, but I kind of moved it around. Uh, and I put it on um, Instagram. And it says this, the moment you become more convinced about what, what's in you, Than what's against you, the more convinced you'll be of what's possible through you. Let it resonate. Let's just absorb that. The moment we become more convinced of what's in you than what's against you, the more convinced you'll be of what's possible through you. There, you know, so easily we say these words, but the potential. In us, the potential in us, it's not according to our own ability. That's why they were filled with the spirit. We talk about the dynamic, the the ability of the spirit. They were filled with the power. The word power is ability. And that's why Jesus said, don't go in your own ability. Go in the ability of the spirit. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Corinthian church, he said, I do not want to boast beyond my measure. But within the measure of the sphere which God has appointed to us, Paul is recognizing there is a geographical sphere. There is a spiritual sphere. And he says, I I know the gift and the grace of God that is upon me. And I don't want to reach out beyond that gift, beyond that measure. But I do recognize that there is a given gift and measure upon me. Everyone who is born again, spirit-filled in this room has a measure of God. You have a measure. And so often we listen to the negative side. Well, it's not much. Well, the, Whatever you believe you have, exercise it. Yeah. I say, Lord, I don't have much faith, but I'm going to exercise the little faith I have. I don't have much hope, but I'm going to exercise that. And I, I believe there's a principle as you exercise in the little, it grows. Yeah. It develops. Oh, come on. you remember the first time you ever launched out in spiritual gifts? Yeah. I did. I hated it. You know, I'm kind of reserved and the Spirit of God came upon me. And I just knew I had something to share. And so I'm saying things like, Well, if that musician starts the next song in the key of G, this must be of God. I just you know that happened. Oh Lord. And I'm going through mental gymnastics until it comes to a point, someone says, Well, it's been great being together, let's go home now. And I think, ah, oh, no. But there comes the point and say, God. I'm just wanting to be your servant. Here we go. I'm launching out. I'm launching out. And it's so good to be in such a safe community. This is such a safe community. I've been in some communities where you wouldn't want to step out because someone's going to pick you up. Well, I'm not sure about the theology of that. I'm not sure whether you got your these and your thou's quite right. It should have been a little bit more Shakespearean. It was too Englishy and... uh, this is so. This is home, this is family, this is safe. And the loving encouragement that comes. We have a measure. We have a measure of faith. We have a measure of grace. We have a measure of power. We have a measure of authority. Jesus gathered his followers together and gave them power and authority. The dunamis and the exousia, the authority is the legal right to exercise the power. We have power and authority. We have a measure of confidence. And we have a measure of assurance. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Ah, oh, brilliant. God's measure is a good measure. Luke six thirty-eight: 38. Press down, shaken together, overflowing, overflowing. See you, ma'am. Know your measure. And then finally, seize your moment. This is Carpe Diem. This is Robin Williams. Dead Poet Society. If you've never watched that film, I forgive you. <laughs> but watch it. And then watch Mr. Holland's Opus. Yeah. Oh, it stirs you. If you can watch the end of Mr. Holland's Opus without crying, I'd like to meet you. It is a real weepy. Gets you, and it thrills me. Because I think no matter well, I don't want to get you, but no matter what I do in life, there is gonna come a celebration at the end. That's right. A celebration that says your life has made a difference. But I didn't think I did, and that's the whole Mr. Holland's open That's an end time spoiler. But Dead Poets Society is he, he gathers all these young kids around the, the showcase with all the pictures in it, he says, Seize the day. It's from the poem, making the most of time. Carpe diem, seize the day. The Greeks had two words for time. One is chronos, and chronos is where we get chronological from, which is minutes, seconds, hours, days, weeks. It's chronos. It's referring to what we call clock time. And then there are kairos moments. Kronos is minutes, Kairos is moments. And when you talk about moments, you're talking about the right moment, the opportune moment, the perfect moment. And the Greeks love to pers- personify things. And that's where you get old father time, because they try to personify time. You know, the bowed type of old, long, gray beard. Don't Let's go there, but you know, it's kind of... <laughs> That's how they try to personify time. But I'm not talking about chronos time in seizing the moment. I'm talking about karyos time. And the best illustration I've ever heard about this is a, a married couple and their first child is about to be born. And any moment the child is going to be born. And early hours of the morning while they're both asleep in bed, the wife nudges the husband and says, dear, it's time. Being a thick man, he opens his bleary eyes, looks at the clock and says, yes, it's three o'clock. <laughs> and tries to go back to sleep. She nudges him again, said, no, no, it's time. Oh, it's time. Yes, it is the moment at which our child is about to be born. God is nudging us. He's giving us kind of a gentle nudge and saying, it's time, church. It's time There's about to be something birthed in the earth that we need to be ready to see come. A birthing of many, many, many coming to the kingdom. Lives being changed and revolutionized. Businesses turn around. Families turn around. Communities turn around. Schools revolutionized. Offices revolutionized. Why? Because we know it's time. This word time here, kairos, means ripeness. It means ready. It's what is used in the Greek version of Ecclesiastes. To everything that is a season and a time. Every purpose under heaven. A time to be born. A time to die. And it goes on and on and on. And it's, it's time. It's time. It's time. I don't know whether it's an age thing. But I believe this is God's timing. I believe this is a time for this nation. Perhaps like never before. The things that have been working, been there has been a growing expectation, that has been a seed sown into the church that has been developing over months and years. And it's like the Spirit keeps to me, I don't know about to you, but it keeps going, it's time. Oh, yeah. No, it's time. It's time. And so I'm going out, and I'm not finding this too easy, but I, I've set myself a three-friend challenge. Can we put that I, I set myself a three-friend challenge. I, in my various spheres, my home, business, workplace, I n- know quite a few people. But I, I've, I've named to myself three individuals with whom I can have, and they generally have to drink coffee. Uh, that's not really. <laughs> but uh, three individuals that I can have coffee with and it doesn't feel weird. And that's all. I'm just befriending them. I'm not going with an ulterior motive. I'm not going with a fixed agenda. I'm just going to be your friend. And we talk about all sorts of things. One of my friends is uh, someone I I knew 15 years ago in, in business. And through a series of circumstances, he lives in Leicester. We get together and we have coffee together. Costa does well out of me. It really does. But we just, I'm just building bridges. I'm just wanting to be there with him because i i believe that out of that there could be a time when he gives me permission to share with him why do you think like, and that's what i'm doing and uh, instead of getting locked into my daily life i'm saying god i want to see the man i want to know my measure i want to seize the moment why because i want to fulfill the mission i want to fulfill the mission that what god has called us to do that we will affect society. And I'm saying to you right now, and I'm saying to this whole region, Solihull, you have no idea what's about to happen. Yeah. You have no idea what God is about to do. None eaten. Solihull, Rugby, Coventry, wherever we're from. Bring it on, God. Bring it on. But it ain't going to happen some supernatural way through angelic beings. It's going to happen through you and me. Oh, no. <laughs> Yes. But I'm nobody. Yes, you are. You're a somebody. Moses had 120 years, 40 years learning how to become a somebody, 40 years learning how to become a nobody in order that he could reach everybody. I believe it's time for us to recognize who we are in Christ. God, my natural man, says to me, you're not much. My supernatural mindset says, I'm a child of the living God. I'm a son of the king. I'm a servant of the most high God. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. And I believe as I step out into this week, I say, Lord, show me the man. Help me to know my measure. I finish with this story. I was in a, a setting. I went to visit someone in Wakefield. I thought this was meeting was about one thing. And I sat down in the chair, said, Okay, you ready? We're gonna film in five minutes. What? We're gonna film? Yeah, he said, oh, I'm gonna ask you a series of questions. Da-da-da-da. Now I like to be prepared. I am very analytical. I like to have it all my ducks, as the Americans say, in a row. I like to know what's going on. And I'm walking to this filming student saying, Holy Spirit, you better help me. <laughs> Holy Spirit. That's my best prayer. Holy Spirit, help me right now. And you know, it went like a dream. He was stuttering more than I was, and he kept losing his life. But I just felt, Holy Spirit, thank you. And sometimes when you're in environments, you're not quite sure what's going on. That's it. Holy Spirit, help me right now. Holy Spirit, help me. Let's stand, shall we? You don't have to respond outwardly on this one, but... I really want an adventure with God. The stories I was hearing on Friday morning amongst the leaders, I'm kind of envious. God, I want to see those things happen in my life. Don't let me miss it. When I'm, I, I'm meeting the individual, Lord, let me see that opportunity. Father, I, I thank you. You chose the weak things to confound the things that are strong, seemingly, the things that are not to confound the things that are. Lord, You took us. You chose us. A lot of ourselves, we do not feel we have the ability. So Holy Spirit, we pray you will come on us continually. Fill us, fill us, fill us with more ability, more ability. So much so that we're overflowing with the ability, the authority and the power of the Spirit. That we can say what needs to be said and no more. That, Lord, when we just need to show an act of kindness to someone, we'll show an act of kindness. When we just need to call someone, to, to email someone, to say something, Lord, to, to, to do what needs to be done, to give us the wherewithal to know what to do. But, Lord, to see the kingdom come. Lord, you see where we live. You know what environments we're involved in. We pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Our Father, you're in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We come as your sons and say, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. all God's people said, Amen.